if you have enough stock units to do six months worth of sales, you have a stock problem. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. Now, we are a show funded by our sponsors. They really do make all of this possible. So brands, excuse me for a second or two whilst I speak to our supplier side listeners. Okay, the sponsorship calendar for 2024 is now open. So if you want to hear about that and any, and any space we've got left this year, please do get in touch with me via ecmp.info forward slash sponsor. Okay, we got that out of the way. This episode is the first of a new occasional series we're going to be doing to shine a light on an area of e-commerce or the e-commerce skill set you don't always hear about. We're calling it our Masterclass series, and I've been hunting down the best in the business at certain things and persuading them to come on and explain it all for you. In this first session, we are talking about merchandising. A topic I have wanted to cover ever since I launched the podcast. So yeah, it's taken me eight years to find the right guest for this one. So I really hope you do like it because a lot of effort's gone into this. No pressure, everybody. But look, our guest really knows her stuff. She's most recently done 13 years at John Lewis Merchandising Fashion. And she can talk about it really, really well too. You are in for a treat. We are covering what merchandising is, how it fits in with buying, how it fits in with marketing, the systems and reports you should be putting together to take control of it, why you should take control of it, i.e. profit margins, lower overstock levels, how to clear out stock. We're covering a lot and she's explaining it all super clearly. So get ready for this and make sure you listen right to the end of the episode because she's got some brilliant top tips for you too. And you'll also get my own take on this episode. Are you part of the free Chloe's e-commerce club? Why not? It's my free online club where the whole e-commerce master plan audience can come together. It's all about helping you improve your e-commerce business, solving your marketing challenges, getting advice from other retailers who are facing the same challenges as you right now. And yes, I will personally be hanging out in the club Monday to Friday to help you too, which makes it the only place where you can get my help one-on-one. -on -one. It really is a club all about you and supporting your business. Come on and join me now. Just go to ecmp.info forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So come on, join me and hundreds of our listeners at ecmp.info forward slash club. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp 
imp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store. And now to introduce our guest expert. Alison Metcalf is a merchandiser. She does stock to create efficiencies in the supply chain and maximise profit for retailers. She's worked at many high street brands here in the UK, including BHS, Woolworths, M&Co, and most recently spent 13 years as merchandise coordinator for fashion at John Lewis. Hello, Alison. Hello, Chloe. Awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I really and I hope my audience will really appreciate it too. How did you end up in the world of e-commerce and and become a merchandiser? Because I'm not sure any kids sit there going, I must become a merchandiser when they're in school. (laughs) Well, I didn't actually even know what the job was when I applied for it. So yeah, I totally get that people don't know what the job is. I finished university, went traveling and then decided to do teaching English as a foreign language, then I realised I needed to get out of education. It was way too much education. I had no business skills at all. Um, So I had a look, and most of the jobs were sales, which I thought I wouldn't be particularly good at. So my mate said, well, you're good at maths. I was like, well, I did maths, yeah, at college. That was quite good. And he said, well, why don't you become an allocator, which essentially is the beginning of being a merchandiser. So it's allocating stock out to um, mostly different branches because in the day when I started online didn't exist. Cool so allocator first and then that evolved you loved it and you you evolved into a full merchandiser. Yeah and I think with merchandising I've always told my team you get through different points in your career and you really have to assess do you love it or not because it's a hard slog to get trained all the way through and yeah I kept my decision kept being yes I do love it and now you help loads of brands do it which is what we're going to do on this podcast so Alison I I think and we have discussed this in the past that merchandising is like a hidden skill set in the world of e-commerce so let's start right with the basics what does a merchandiser do what is merchandising Right. So what I got told when I had to interview, which I didn't understand then what but I do now, is the right stock in the right place at the right time. Now, the right stock is making sure that your stock is what the customer wants to buy. So the absolute ideal plan, which is nigh on impossible, is when a customer comes onto your store to purchase something, you only offer what they want to buy. That is the absolute ideal. That's the most profitable thing you can possibly do. Obviously, a merchandiser is to work out what that would be and uses a lot of averages to work out what that customer is likely to buy. So that's the right stock, the right place. Now, a lot of retailers have wholesale. They have e-commerce businesses. Some have stores. And it's about which stock needs to be where. So if you've got a big wholesale order, have you got enough for your online business, for example? So that's the right place and then the right time is do you have the stock ready for when it's seasonal i mean in the worst time in the pandemic our christmas jumpers arrived after christmas that is definitely not the right time to be selling jumpers so that's the right time so that's what a merchandiser does is make sure the stock is ready for the customer to buy and how does that differ from a buyer Because I feel like people understand the concept of needing a buyer who's going to buy their stock a lot more than they understand the concept of needing a merchandiser to control the stock. Yeah, so a buyer is the person who will do the development within the product. So you may well have a designer who will design the product or the buyer may well be the designer, but you basically go to the suppliers, you work out how to produce the product 
and you negotiate the cost price. That really is where the merchandiser should come in and they should work out how many units to sell. The number of times I've seen buyers negotiate units because of the cost price, it all goes a bit wrong. That's where you tend to overbuy. And that's where some of the companies I've worked in in the past are no longer here because they didn't have that differential. So, for example, Woolworths, when I was working there, the nursery department had about five years worth of pushchair stock. And that's because the buyer was negotiating the prices and the units at the same time. So where the merchandiser comes in is make sure they're taking the emotion out of the product, using the data and working out how much to buy. Got you. So tell me if I'm wrong on this, but the buyer is the one who gets enthused and excited about the product, works out what the trends are for this year in terms of colours, what we should be doing, what we should be doing. They're probably, everyone's hearing this in November, they're working on Christmas 2024 already possibly even into 2025 and they're kind of the emotional side of it and then the merchandiser it skews on a spreadsheet yes exactly so and then the buyers can't you've got to be very careful when you're talking to a buyer because it's their product they love it so you can upset them when you go it didn't sell last year i don't think we should buy anymore for example or in other ways, they might have got onto something and there's a growing trend and you can see it coming. And then you look at whether you buy more because actually it's sold out and you didn't have an, um, you didn't potentialize the sales. Got you. So kind of like the buyer is deciding what you're buying and then the merchandiser is all about how deep we go on any stock line. Yeah. And they're about the profit. Yeah. So it might be a great seller, but if you didn't make any profit, then there's no point selling it. So would it be fair to say that a buyer and a merchandiser have to work very closely together? Yes, definitely. It's like a marriage. So when a buyer and merchandiser work amazingly well together, it's a marriage gone well. When they don't, it's almost like a divorce. It's not great. So yeah, the two really need to understand each other's skills and respect each other. Just flipping this into, I know we have a lot of people listening who do not have the budget for their own buyer and their own merchandise, or maybe they're the founder and they're suddenly going, oh, I'm doing both those things. It's one of the reasons why it's really tough as a founder to manage your stock is because you've got to both be the emotional person and you've got to be the ones and zeros profit focused person. So you've got to be both buyer and merchandiser in one brain. You do, absolutely. And quite a lot of businesses where it's maybe one person in the company Often it might be the husband or wife who's actually doing it in the background. It might not be their job, but in the background, there's always someone. I've never met anybody where there isn't someone having that conversation with. Sometimes it's the accountant, to be honest, who's like, you've actually got a lot of stock. The accountant won't be able to give any product advice, but they're saying, come on, your cash flow is not moving or, you know, you need to potentialize more on the sales that you've just seen. But there's always someone who's giving that financial support in the background But it works really well when you've identified those clear roles between buyer and merchandiser. But merchandiser could be viewed as operations. So there would be an operations person within the team normally. Um, And then you'd have the third one, which is marketing. So they're the really three core skills you need in any business. And it's really good to identify who's doing which out of the three. So if you're just one person you'll normally be doing buying and merchandising and maybe the accountant would be advising you a bit more on your finances. Or you'd have um, somebody in the background, your partner, having a little word with you in terms of, no, we can't invest any more money in your company. You need to sell a bit more, for example. But there's normally someone. But of course, that's like the high level warning flag bit. It's not the bit that's going, it's it's a bit that's going, I think you've got a problem. I I think you've got a problem here, but it's not the bit that's going, right, the problem is this. 
let's sort out X, Y, and Z, which is where the real merchandising skill comes in, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of avoiding the problem. Yeah, you need to identify it before the warning flags, definitely. Um, yeah, and so I think that role definitely needs to exist in the business. And I'm not sure in some of the businesses I've come into, it exists in any great form. Yeah, and so so let's let's talk practicalities on all this um what are the things i want to say like what are the basic things we can do to quickly improve our stock situation or our cash flow but i'm not quite sure how to how to approach it are there common (laughs) things you often find people haven't got in place that would make their life so much easier yeah definitely so when i go in and um, look at a company straight off the first thing i do is download a report look at the last few years sales and that will give me an indication of what's selling what's been selling what's going to sell and then I'll look at the stocks so you go sales first sales first because you don't know what stocks you need until you know what sales you do and the thing that really surprises some people is I look at units so cash turnover is great and it's part of the equation but you buy stock in units So you need to look at your sales in units. And most people have never looked at their unit sales. So it's very quickly identified if you've got a stock problem. If you have enough stock units to do six months worth of sales, you have a stock problem. It's that simple. It really is that simple. However, the complication is where is the stock problem? Because not everything will be on that six months cover, for example. So there'll be pockets which are turning so fast you don't have enough stock. And then there's areas which are not performing that where your stock is caught up in. And that's kind of like, so so first off, look at the sales and look at then look at the stock we've got in terms of units. And then it's starting to divide it down into where's there a mismatch between stockholding and sales likelihood. Basically, yeah. And that's where the emotional part comes in, because the buyer will be particularly emotional about an area, even though the numbers are saying it's not selling as well as you think it is. And that's when you start going, okay, you've got 10 options here. You only really need five, for example. And that's when the emotion starts coming in. So literally you've gone, we've bought this bag in 10 colours and that's too much for our customer base. We should have just done five. How do we stream it down to five? Yeah, basically. So it's both about range selection as well as being about shifting units out of the warehouse. Yeah. And it's about MOQ. So if you're... Su- what's an, Sorry, what's an MOQ? <laughs> oh, an MOQ, sorry. It's a minimum order quantity. Uh-huh. So a supplier will only open up their um, production line for a minimum. If they don't want to do that minimum because it's not cost effective they won't do it so they'll say you can only buy 100 units of this bag but if you only sell 50 that means you've got 50 that won't sell at full price which means that you'll probably need to mark it down so that's where you need to think okay well can i afford to mark it down with with what they're offering as cost price or can i not and if you can't then you need to think about how many bags have you already got whether you actually need it and what profit you're really going to make Got you. So it's it's right from the very first decision of how much are we buying of this 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 skew, right the way through to dealing with the problem of having too much and and presumably you, you get involved in how you get rid of it when you've got too much of specific lines. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the exit strategy, and you should also have a view of what your exit strategy is at the time of placing the order. So yeah, merchandisers go from the very beginning of the production cycle, which is placing the unit order to exiting the stock out of the business so it's at any point stock goes along that cycle merchandisers get involved 
Got you. So that's why the relationship with marketing is equally important because it's about also making sure marketing are flagging the right products to the customers. Yes, absolutely. The worst thing is when marketing decide to promote something that you don't have enough stock for. Guilty. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're spending money to tell a customer about something you don't have. Which, by the same thing, is, means the opportunity cost issue comes into play, which is you promoted a product that you don't have any, any stock of when you could have been promoting a product you have too much stock of. So there's that, there's only so much space. There's a very fine balance because as well, you don't want to promote a product that the customer rejected. So you don't want your brand to be caught up with something like that. So it, it is very much a conversation between marketing, buying and merchandising about what um, stock to promote. Okay, Asin. So we talked about you you working closely with marketing as well as working closely with the buyers. And something we've all been familiar with this year is the term overstock and how that, that happens in a business. Obviously, if you've got good merchandisers in place and you're less likely to have an overstock problem in the first place, but it's still you know, the market is still a fickle thing and these things still happen. In your career, has most of your dealing with overstocks been doing clever marketing and good promotions or has it been phone up the mysterious people who help us clear pallet loads of stock? Um, it's been everything. So what you try to do is get rid of your stock that's not needed anymore as profitably as you can. So I would start off with a promotion in season if it's not shifting to the plan. For example, the sun didn't come out, so you can't sell any sandals, you know, or jumpers weren't selling because it wasn't that cold. So that is something you can't forecast at the time. So you'd look at how much stock you've got probably about midway through the season. So Easter and um, October half term are quite good times to look at promotions. You can generally not mark down that much and sell it before the season starts. Obviously, then you've got the June time when you're looking at doing deeper discounting. And obviously, you've got Black Friday. And then you've got the end of season sales, which is July and Christmas. By then, you're probably looking at 50% off, if not more. In terms of ringing up those people to take your stock away, if you sell your stock for at least 70% off, you're more likely to get more profit than giving it to those guys. But sometimes it's just easier. So some small businesses decide, actually, it's just easier to move the stock, get someone to pay them in a bulk amount, and then it's gone off the problem they don't want to damage the brand um but it's generally the least profitable way of exiting stock out of the business got you so if we can sell it to our own customers for 70 percent off or better then that's going to be better than doing a bulk shift to uh you know someone who's clearing old stock for us yeah generally a lot of people use wholesale chains as well in terms of you know they might offer some product to wholesalers who might actually have a different customer and might want to sell it. So I would exercise all the channels you've got to try and sell it yourself before you try and sell it through someone else. Got you. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. And I guess it, it, uh, just to because of when we're talking, when people are hearing this podcast episode for the first time, a merchandiser should be heavily involved in your Black Friday planning. Oh, hugely, yeah. So they would, should definitely be looking at what stock they've got, what they haven't, because... If you do do a Black Friday promotion and you've actually sold some stock really well, then that's great. But you really want to be putting your heavy categories into Black Friday. What's a heavy category? Um, where you've got a huge amount of stock for what your sales are. Got you. So use it as an opportunity to clear things out. Yeah, basically. Definitely. Cool. Um, so we've talked about all these things. You talked about downloading sales data. 
are there you know software systems we should be looking to to help us with all of this there are many systems out there so a lot of the retailers that i work with are not using effectively the systems they've already paid for so there's a lot of um wms's which are warehouse management systems that have all the stock reports and then a lot of the time shopify has a sales report shopify does bring in stocks as well but it depends which stocks you're looking at because the way they do returns can skew it a bit but your warehouse will generally or where you keep the stock will have the accurate stock as of that day so it's about making sure that you merge the two so you know what your sales are doing and what your stock's doing which a lot of retailers are not using their systems that they've got to show them that so that's literally just exporting it and putting it in a spreadsheet Yeah, so there's many ways of doing it. So I think some systems offer dashboards um, where they can create it for you. Others, it would just be dumping down into an Excel, for example. And then what I would do is I'd use that as a dump and then create a summary sheet so that every week you're looking at it. And then every week you've got the same information, you know where you are, and it's literally a five-minute job. Got you. So a a weekly task. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, Alison, anything else we should have mentioned about merchandising for the audience? Any other key things we should just tack on? Um, I think it's just understanding that if you have too much stock, it's keeping your cash held in the stock that's not necessarily selling, which means then you can't release it into buying new product. So I think that's the biggest mistake you can get into, which is, oh, okay, I've got this stock problem, but I'm just going to ignore it. But if you know, I don't want to damage my brand by reducing the stock. But actually what you're doing is you're holding your cash flow into stock that's not selling. So my advice is just to try and get rid of it as quickly as possible. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you part of the free Chloe's e-commerce club? Why not? It's my free online club where the whole e-commerce master plan audience can come together. It's all about helping you improve your e-commerce business, solving your marketing challenges, getting advice from other retailers who are facing the same challenges as you right now. And yes, I will personally be hanging out in the club Monday to Friday to help you too, which makes it the only place where you can get my help one-on-one. It really is a club all about you and supporting your business. Come on and join me now. Just go to ecmp.info forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So come on, join me and hundreds of our listeners at ecmp.info forward slash club. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store. It's time for the top tips round. 
Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Alison, are you ready for the top tips? I am. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Okay, so I've got two books um, and they may well surprise you. So I've got A Piece of Cake by Cupcake Brown. Now, this is a book. It's not a business book, but it's about somebody who went through some real hardships in her life and turned her life around and her boss helped her. And something that I think biz managers need to think about is what's actually going on in their staff at home. So I think people kind of have this idea of what's happening. They don't necessarily truly listen, and this boss did. So I think it's really a great story about understanding your employee, how to get them to work the best way, and also resilience. This person had a really difficult upbringing, and yet she still managed to succeed. So I think that's a really good one just to, it's quite inspiring, to be honest, which I think everybody needs at this time. And then the second one is I'm doing an um, AI course at the moment because it's come, well, it's come, it's not even coming. So AI has come and I think everybody needs to know about it. So the recommendation from my course, which I found really interesting, is a ladybird book. It's called Artificial Intelligence and it's written by Michael Waldridge. So if you don't know anything about AI, it's a very quick half an hour read, touches on every single basic level. Good old Ladybird books. Loving and loving those two recommendations. Thank you, Alison. Okay, traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Okay, we've already touched on this, but my view is you really need the merchandising to talk to marketing and choose that product with the stock. You need to be looking at your margins when you select your product. So it's very much if you want to drive traffic to your website, just really be aware of what product you're choosing. Yeah, I would I would second that. Back when I worked retailer side, the merchandisers chose the products for every single email, um, which meant I didn't have to pick them, which is kind of good. Uh, saved me a job, but it also meant we were putting the right things in, you know, putting the right things in front of the customers. So I'm going to second that one. Uh, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, so this is what, again, we've already touched on, Monday trading, either sheet or pack, depending on how much information you need. If you do not have your Monday trading sheet, you do not know where you're going and it should bring in your sales, stock and profit. Simple as that, guys. We're talking a simple dashboard you look at every single Monday. And even if it's just you on your own, create it and take five minutes away from the computer screen to consider it <laughs> absolutely awesome discipline to be in okay the carbon top tip what's your favorite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce store okay buy the right amount of stock unsurprisingly that's the merchandiser's view because if you buy too much stock huge carbon footprint and also look at your supply chain you don't necessarily have to fill containers people sell half containers you know you don't actually need to always um, ban things from Europe I actually heard the other day that you can train it so you know put it on a train it's a lot more environmentally friendly so that's my top tip is get the right amount of stock don't have that too much stock yeah the right amount of stock is game changer for e-commerce's level of uh, carbon footprint it shouldn't be that hard but anyway <laughs> before we go off on that tangent Alison before you say goodbye could you please let the listeners know where they can find you if they want to get in contact please yep so I'm on LinkedIn um under Alison Metcalf 
so yeah just dm me if you want to put in a 30 minute call to talk to me about what your issue is at the time and we can talk through it and look at how i can help you and support your business and you're working with businesses of all shapes and sizes at the moment aren't you i am um at the moment i'm working particularly with small retailers because they're the ones who have started growing and they really don't have much merchandising in place however i've also worked with um, bigger companies who do have merchandising who need a bit of training so yeah working with all sizes and are you uk specific or can our overseas listeners get in contact with you too no overseas listeners can do as well obviously they'd be more likely to be remote but what i can do is i can do um, merchandising remotely or in person brilliant thank you so much alison um i really hope because i know how much how big an issue this is for everybody you get bombarded um <laughs> with with people asking for for help from you because get the stock working properly and it makes your e-commerce life so much easier um alison thank you so much for coming on the e-commerce master plan podcast today um it is brilliant doing a good proper rundown of uh, of merchandising and uh, you've been the perfect guest to do it so thank you so much for being here oh thanks chloe okay so that's it our first masterclass episode diving deep into the world the fascinating world of merchandising um a lot to unpick there i think for me the key things are that if you want to manage your stock well, which means create great profits, uh, keep your cash moving, then you need to have both the buying side of things, what you're going to buy and the merchandising side of things. How are you going to sell it? Where are you going to sell it? What was it? She said, uh, right stock, right price, right time and worrying about those profit margins. And I thought that one of the things which really resonated with me there from what Alison was saying was you need to know your exit strategy on that line when you buy it. So at the point where you commit to a number of units, you need to know if you only manage to sell half of them, what are you gonna, at full price, what are you gonna do with the other half? What is your exit strategy on that line? That was, that was quite fascinating hearing it that early on. And then we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but that piece around when the key sales periods are to clear stock for not huge discounts, but in the areas where you're, where you're a bit heavily loaded. Lots to unpick in that. I hope that's got you thinking a bit differently about how you manage your stock. Uh, you can get your hands on our notes from this episode, including the top tips and links to the things we mentioned, including a link to Alison on LinkedIn, so you can take advantage of her offer of a chat. You can get all that at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or use our direct episode short links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash the number of this episode into the URL bar, and you'll go straight to the correct page on the website. When you get there, why not add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on many of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, why not check out our fashion episodes? Because that's the area where I think merchandising massively comes into its own is in the fashion space. And it's where Alison's had most of her experience. And you can find all of those at ecmp.info forward slash fashion. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your business and progress along the path to net zero to take control of the sustainability journey of your business too. Now, if you know anyone else this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. 
Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. Don't miss out. It's time you joined Chloe's e-commerce club, our free club that's all about helping you grow your e-commerce store. Join right now for free at ecmp.info forward slash club.